if you feel confused about fish, it's not your fault and you're not alone. It's normal. What I look for when I'm looking for fish or I'm at a restaurant is just that it's wild. My name is Renee. And I'm Lauren. We are the Biohacker Babes. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. The Biohacker Babes podcast aims to provide insight into the body's natural healing abilities, strengthen your intuition, and empower you with techniques and modalities to optimize your health and wellness. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 87 of the Biohacker Babes. I'm Lauren, joined by my amazing sister, Renee. Hello. <laughs> there she is. And we have a guest for you today, Sina Wheeler from Sina C. I am really excited to talk to her because I have to admit, I haven't been a fish eater for most of my life. I've always preferred eating meat. I don't know. I've always had this weird, weird thing about fish. I think because I didn't trust it and trust the sources and trust the oceans, but we know there's a lot of nutritional benefit from fish and Sina is a wealth of information. She's so awesome. So we had a really awesome chat with her and now I am all about the seafood. <laughs> Me too. I, I think, I don't know, maybe because we grew up in the same household. Well, we ate a lot of tuna fish as a kid, I think, because the canned tuna was my go-to. Because but... it was the nineties and everything was in cans. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then, yeah, I really got away from eating fish, just stuck more with like chicken and beef and et cetera. And like you said, I think because it is very confusing what the labels on fish mean, is it toxic? Should we be eating it? But she really clarifies all of that information and I'm sold. I'm like, bring it on. Let's do fish twice a week. And I can't wait to cook up some amazing salmon from Cena Sea tonight. Yeah. So grateful. And I'm so lucky that we found Cena Sea. So I get a box of crowd cow. They send it to me every couple of weeks and I get the best meat and fish you could possibly get because they partner with trusted farms and fisheries. So I ordered some fish and Cena Sea showed up and I just was really, really impressed with their product. And then come to find out Cena has a degree in nutrition. Like how amazing could that get? So she's awesome. This is a great conversation. I hope that you are going to be as excited about fish as we are. So here is Sina's bio. Sina Wheeler has a master's degree in nutrition and food science with a specialty in quantifying omega-3s in fish and determining preferred handling practices for premium quality. Sina and her husband, Rich, also run a small fisherman-owned custom processing facility in Cordova, Alaska, where they specialize in premium quality and traceability. This means the fish never leaves their hands and control is maintained throughout the entire process. Their goal with CNSC is to bring the consistent premium quality fish that we get to enjoy direct to our customers, something they just can't find anywhere else. So cool. Anything else to note, Ray? No, I love this interview. I'm really, really excited about it. All right, here we go. We're going to share it. Let's do it. Sina, welcome to the show. We're so happy to have you talking to us about all things fish and how we should be eating for nutritional benefits. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am so happy to be here. This is my type of podcast and I'm just grateful to be on. 
I love it. Thank you so much. (laughs) So we read your bio. We know that you have a rich family history in this business, your third generation. I think that's so awesome. This is in your family. And then, so you grew up fishing and then I know you went to college to study nutrition. I I'm, we're both so fascinated with that aspect, how much, you know, about the nutrition science and can relate that back to the business. How would you say that that has helped and what was your journey going through that education? The nutrition education is something I love and I would recommend to anybody in college or with the opportunity to study nutrition to study nutrition because you're going to be eating the whole rest of your life (laughs) (laughs) exactly you know the required some required courses is just when I was taking the classes it's just it's like why is this just for some people (laughs) we all have bodies we all eat we should all know this information so I I, I love nutrition. I grew up, like you said, uh, three generations fishing family in the Pacific Northwest. So we ate obviously a lot of fish, but my mom also owned a health food store. So um, nutrition was also a way of life for us and, and just kind of normal. Well, it, it wasn't, it was normal at home and you go to, you know, you go to the lunchroom and the other kids are like, why are you eating seaweed or something weird? And you're like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You think it's normal until you see everyone else and then you question. (laughs) Right. So I was that kid that had, you know, kind of the different school lunch, but, um, but I got used to it. (laughs) So when I went to college, um, I stumbled upon nutrition and I, I took a class and was just like, Oh yeah, this is, this is me. This is what I would, it's one of those things where you go, this is what I would be reading on my spare time or looking into. And so um, it was just a supernatural fit. When I was um, finishing up my nutrition degree, in fact, I was on a track where a lot of, a lot of people go into a dietetics and RD, uh, registered dietitian track. And I, I did that and I did my internship at a hospital and realized that that wasn't really me. And so I ended up taking kind of a left turn and I, I went to, ended the food science route. So after that, I went and got my master's degree at Oregon State in food science. And that just felt, I'm kind of a science person. And it felt really um, like you could run a test and have an answer. I really like that. You know, that there's mm-hmm. a there's a result, a, a black and white, you know, you do it and you go, okay, this is the answer. That's appealing to me. So I ended up going, like I said, to Oregon State. And, and then I fell back into fish. I had no plan at that point that my life would uh, continue to revolve around fish, <laughs> but looking for a professor and, um, he happened to be, there was a fisheries department and I just was like, Oh yeah, well that just feels so natural. I just applied and they accepted me and the rest is history. I, when I was doing my graduate work, I was studying omega-3. So I was, um, studying, pulling out the omega-3s in West coast albacore tuna, quantifying. So measuring them, measuring it at the different places, the bellies, you know, I had different zones of the fish I was measuring. And then I was also um, studying at the same time onboard handling techniques and then um, correlating that to sensory. So we would, we would handle the fish differently on the boat. And then we would do sensory analysis with a panel and how could you tell if it fish had been bled or how it was handled and how that correlated to sensory. So at that time, I, again, had no idea that I would actually really do that for a (laughs) career. So it's all kind of full circle for me, but um, it's just one of those things where your, your passion kind of leads, I guess. 
Yeah. It just yeah. seems so natural. You're like, I already know about this. I want to learn more. I like this. I'm going to keep going. Like just, that sounds perfect. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Two and passions just naturally came together. I love it. It's the kind of thing you can't plan. <laughs> exactly. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Actually I had a similar journey before I got my master's in nutrition. I was kind of lost after my undergrad. I didn't know what to do. And my dad said, well, what is your Friday night essence? I'm like, I don't, what is that? He's like, well, what are you reading on a Friday night? So I, oh, I'm always reading nutrition books. I said, that's what you need to do. And you're right. I didn't plan that. I don't, it just kind of happened. So very cool to meet someone with a similar story. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So we're fascinated with the nutrition and we're with you as biohackers. We like to test stuff and have real data to prove like this works, this doesn't work. So I think before we get into the nutritional benefits of fish, can we clear up some confusion about all the different terms, like the marketing that's used on fish, if you're buying at the grocery store or at a market or from a, a fishery? So I actually found your company through CrowdCal. Mm -hmm. I ordered it. It came to my house and I got a personal note that was like, thank you from CNC. I was like, this is so cool. Like, there's actually people behind this. <laughs> I'm not just buying from a mass market. It just felt so genuine and personal. And I love that so much. So just so happy to, to connect with you. Where was I going with this? Oh, <laughs> the terms? buying the terms, buying fish could be really confusing. Buying any kind of food right now, the labeling industry is out of control. So how do we even start to decipher decipher? So we have wild caught, we have farmed, we have sustainable. Where do we even begin? Yeah, I'll just start with kind of the broad sweeps. I think that when you're talking in terms of food and nutrition and health for your body, well, I have health for the planet, health for everything. I would say eat wild. That's that's the number one. And they there's a lot of confusing facts. I mean, you know, seafood is one of the most confusing things. It's it, There's a lot of oceans. There's a lot of fish. There's a lot of this. There's a lot of rules. And frankly, I think that some people go to the store, maybe they're intending to buy fish. They look at, they get so confused at the fish counter. They, um, you know, get some chicken and go home. And so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really, I, you know, I do want people to feel, if you feel confused about fish, it's not your fault and you're not alone. It's normal. What I look for when I'm looking for fish or I'm at a restaurant is just that it's wild. And the key is wild is more expensive. They will always label it wild if it's wild. If you go to a restaurant on the menu, if it's wild, they will put wild. If you are at a food truck and it happens to be wild, they'll put wild. You know, if you're at the store, they will say wild. So look for wild. Wild is wild. And there's a lot of other terms that are confusing, but farm fish can't be labeled wild fish. So wild or wild caught, that's really the main thing to remember. And then from there, I am biased. Of course, we're in, we live in the Pacific Northwest and we fish Alaskan fish and Alaskan fish is, is truly special. It's caught in Alaskan waters that are, it's unpopulated. It's cold. It, we've also, the state of Alaska had started fishing sustainably and mandating their sustainability practices way before everybody else. So it is truly managed for sustainability because that is their entire, you know, economy. And so a step down from wild is I look for Alaskan wild. It's also, you know, it tastes the best. It has, it's, it's all the things that you're looking for and you're not worrying about eating the last wild salmon or something. You know, you, you can have that. It, 
The, the Alaskan is also the sustainability because everything in Alaska is managed for sustainability. They also don't allow any fish farming in Alaska and never have. And oh, that's, wow. that's really huge. And I think that a lot of people that doesn't, that knowledge doesn't quite translate, but having no fish farming on any of the rivers is a really big deal because it fouls up the whole river and they get out and things like that. And so just having wild fish that's near a fish farming industry affects the wild too. So having the entire state of Alaska with no fish farming is a pretty big deal too. And what exactly does sustainable mean? Is that more of an environmental term or is it protecting the fish and the wildlife? That's a really good question because that is one of those terms like organic. It just is totally who you ask and in their industry. Yeah. Um, it always sounds cool. But it's like, what does it mean? What does it mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. And in the world of fishing, it's it's fairly specific in that a sustainable fishing industry or, you know, when we fish salmon or halibut or black cod, they are sus- managed for sustainability. And what that means is they are watching the numbers very closely and only allowing a certain percentage of the population to be caught so that there's enough stock to continue the population. So when they're they're managing for sustainability, they will always manage to get the baseline first. And what you see at the store is the extra. So they're managed differently because the fish are different, but it's always for sustainability means that it's managed so that next year there's as many fish as there was the year before. Interesting. Great. So you kind of hinted at this before, like this myth that if you eat wild fish, then you're I don't know, going to hurt the population, but it's actually the opposite, right? We need the wild farming to, to keep the population healthy and I guess sustainable. We're back to sustainable. Well, this is, I'll just, I'll just break into my kind of why eat wild. (laughs) I have, (laughs) I've got my reasons. This is, you know, in my, my opinion, in my world, number one, it just tastes the best. So, um, and really I'm kind of really focusing on wild Alaskan because that's our industry and our world where we are. So number one, it just, it's tastes good. It's the, the texture and the eating quality is, you know, amazing. And then for your health. So the wild is going to have the highest omega-3. So things like copper river, we have copper river salmon, copper river salmon. It's just a special river. It's long, it's deep, it's fast, it's cold. And these salmon put on more fat to get up this river. So anything in the Copper River is going to have higher fat content, higher omega-3s, which is a double benefit because it makes it taste better and it makes it better for you. Mm. So Mm. you've got those omega-3s. You also have the, it's high in B vitamins, high in potassium, high in antioxidants. So salmon is, or I mean, wild fish in general, but also salmon is, it's really a powerhouse of nutrition. And what I love about it is they, they go out and they fatten themselves out in the ocean and they come back for us to eat. They're, you know, we are not How nice. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Happy if you think about it, I mean, it's, it's like, thank you. It's amazing that we don't have <laughs> a field. We don't have to feed them. We don't water them. It doesn't, there's no real human inputs into, um, them going out and doing their thing, coming back full of omega-3s and great for us to eat. <laughs> so thank you, fish. And 
especially when you look at the farming or the hatcheries, you know, there's a lot of work and input and, and water and, you know, a lot of input. And, and so that's the one thing is just like, let's, let's um, let these salmon do what they're doing because they're doing a really good job of it. Yeah. <laughs> Delicious and full of omega-3. And then I think that, you know, on the sustainability front it's it's really i'm trying to think i have this kind of analogy i'm thinking of how to how to utilize it but the fishing is now a partly when you're talking alaska and you're talking these big rivers with big returns of the fish the fishing industries actually become a part of the ecosystem in a way that if if we couldn't fish and all those fish return to the river it would actually when they return, they spawn and then they die and they're in the river. And that acidity of all those fish would actually foul the river and we would have, it would affect the river for like four years. We would have huge losses, really low returns if all that fish went up and fouled the river. Is that wow. a hard concept? And so tell me if I'm not quite hitting on explaining that, but you know, that's fascinating. You, you work really do need to catch the fish. Otherwise you're going to harm the environment, I guess. For we the, have been simple. doing this so long that we are a part of it. And so how they manage, and I'm really talking specifically salmon, otherwise it gets really complicated with every species, but they're, they're watching the, the run and they have fish counters at different locations in the river. And they're, First, man, their first of the fish, they have to get their numbers for the returning fish. So they call that escapement, the numbers of fish getting up the river to go spawn. So it's like a bucket that you first have to fill that bucket of sustainability. You first have to make sure that the river, the fish, enough fish are getting home and they're going home to spawn. And what you see at the grocery stores is the overflow of the bucket. So when you have on a big year, you might see a lot of Copper River salmon at Costco. On a light year, you might not because there just wasn't a lot of overflow, but the bucket is filling each time, if that kind of makes mm. sense. So so to the rest of the world or in the lower 48 where you where Copper River can kind of feel like, oh my gosh, I didn't even see it this year. Was there any? It wasn't that there wasn't any in the river. There wasn't a lot of overflow that year. So that Got kind it. of right. I mean, nature really is amazing if we just kind of let it do its thing. And let's do its thing. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So I'm curious the, you keep mentioning the copper river and obviously wild is the way to go. What about the concern with so much of the water in the world being polluted? Is that not so much an issue in Alaska? Is that really a problem elsewhere? What's going on with that? Well, wow. It's like you read my number four point and just, uh, <laughs> just jumped ahead. <laughs> yeah, it matters. And it, it matters where you're at. And I don't want to put any other place down, but um, there's other places, you know, in the Pacific Northwest where the, the river might be more polluted. There's more of a population and then it affects, you have less salmon and there's, there's less for us because we need to feed the, the other wildlife that lives off the salmon, you know? And so in more populated and polluted places is different. It's totally different. When you're talking about Alaska, so where we fish in Cordova, which is on the Copper River, there's no roads in to Cordova. You can fly or you can take your boat. There's no anything on the entire 300 miles of river. I mean, it, it's it's forested. There's no um, deforestation. There's no mining. Uh, they This is a truly pristine river. The the basin where the delta where it dumps out is um 
I don't get the number wrong, but it's as big as Rhode Island is like 700 miles wide. <laughs> it's wow, huge, huge area. The, the boats that we fish on are these little boats with one or two men and you're fishing on the edges right where the, the ocean comes. They're not even in the river. There's, they're just like little tiny flies around they're, they're, They could never cover this whole area. It's just so huge and so different from what we are used to, you know, in the lower 48. And, and my final point on that is just that um, I know that some people have a little bit of guilt over like eating the last wild salmon, like I kind of mentioned. And really, I like to flip that because when we go out and we purposely buy wild and we eat wild and we fuel our bodies with wild and we spend the money on it, that money goes into the fishing industry. It goes into up to Alaska. It goes towards preserving that river in the water because when you're adding value, so something like Copper River, you're saying, yes, I value this. I value this salmon. Then the state of Alaska can value the whole run. And they fight things like deforestation and mining on that river because this is valuable. These salmon are valuable to our people, our world. We'll, we'll pay the money. We want to eat them. So keep the rivers and the ocean clean. It allows us to be able to keep it pure and pristine rather than just going, oh, whatever, we'll just cut down those trees or, or mine for something, you know, in the river right next door. So it really does affect and it keeps it as pristine as, and it still is, which is really incredible in this world today. So cool. So it sounds like the ecosystem where you are is really protected, but what about farmed fish? around the world or even in this country, how is that affecting other wild caught fisheries? I would say, and I am not, I'll, I'll say that I'm not a farm fish expert because I live in the world. <laughs> Why would you be? <laughs> no need to be, yeah. <laughs> From my off-the-cuff response is that I, I will say that there's probably a place for farmed fish. You know, we have a big planet and there's a there's a place in the world um, to, you know, we need to feed our population and things like that. I really and then there's um, categories in farm fish and sometimes it's called sustainable. And, you know, they, they are using a new term of sustainably wild. And and frankly, I'm not sure about that and what makes one sustainable and one not sustainable exactly because it's regulations maybe it's the way they're doing the water and things the better managed the better because i think when it comes to wild they need to it needs to be managed to not harm the wild stock or when it comes to farmed to me the key is please don't harm the wild stock <laughs> because mm -hmm. wild stock is doing its thing they're healthy they're great they go do it on their own let's not mess with that. So I know that not to not Canada, but in Canada, you know, some of their rivers that are, were a lot like the Alaskan rivers, they have allowed farming. And what it has done is the wild stock has to swim past the fish farms to get to their spawning grounds and they pick up fish lice and other diseases. And Ooh. so, yeah, it does. And then again, when they're when the little fish fry have to pass all these fish farms to get out. And so they aren't healthy when they um, enter the ocean. And so to me, that's kind of the, the issue is, is really kind of let's not kind of bring down the wild in the process, you know, let's mm -hmm. be and keep yeah. it separate. Um, Interesting. And, those turns over it, yeah. and then, 
And then there's a health, there's a, you know, the health kind of an issue. And, and again, I think that now there's, they're labeling some as organic. I would just look really closely into it. It's, it's one of those things where almost you're almost confused on purpose. You don't, you want to make sure they're not feeding the fish antibiotics and that kind of a thing. And then some of the omega-3s are, you know, the omega-3s are then coming from the fish food instead of naturally. So it's like they can, um, on a nutritional panel, look really similar, but, you know, if they've been fed antibiotics, if they're getting their omega-3s from a pellet and they aren't actually moving around enough, it's, it's almost like some of their, their fats aren't quite the same. And they're more like more along the lines of saturated fat because the fish aren't really swimming freely. So I would just say, look really close because nutrition label to nutrition label, they might look almost equal. And I really think that, you know, deep down they're not. Yeah, that is confusing because I think the term farmed sounds really good. Like, why wouldn't we want something farmed? We're trying to get back to our farms. It sounds like wild caught is more along the lines or more synonymous with like regenerative farming. But I can totally understand why people are confused. Farm, that sounds good. And they're, it's probably really pink because like you said, they're pumping them with these nutrients, omega-3s, but they're utilizing resources that are not natural. And so it's basically being manufactured. And then I think with the nutrition side, do we even know if we're able to absorb those nutrients if they're being pumped in like that? What does the nutrient profile look like? Even if the label, sorry, not what does it look like because the labels may be the same, like you said, but do we have any research showing that it's different? Exactly. And you can have things like your omega-3 to omega-6 ratio being off and it just affects the way your body utilizes um, those fatty acids. It, it, it really, it can, it can just affect more than the big macro level it's, it's all the way down to how your body utilizes it. And we know we're meant to eat wild salmon and the way it's made is the way it's always been. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Hey, biohackers, Renee here. The truth is people age at different speeds. The date that marks your birthday doesn't necessarily reflect your body's biological age your inner age. Learning your biological age may seem daunting, but inner age is more than just a simple measurement. It's the starting point for you to take control of your health and wellness journey. Inside Tracker is a personalized nutrition platform that analyzes your blood, DNA, lifestyle, and now fitness trackers to help you optimize your performance from the inside out. First, they analyze your body's biomarker data to offer you a clear picture of what's going on inside you. Then they provide science-backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes and track your progress every step of the way. Transforming your body's data into meaningful insights and a customized action plan of the science-backed recommendations you need to reach your goals. Take advantage of our amazing partnership with Inside Tracker and get 25% off. Just go to insidetracker.com slash biohackerbabes. We will also put this link in the show notes for today's episode. And so why are the wild caught having higher omega-3 versus omega-6? What in the farming process is causing the omega-6? It's just less physical activity, what they're eating. What's the big difference there? They're not getting hormesis because they're not swimming up the cold river. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I, therapy. I think that you are, it's those two things. And again, I'm not the expert on the farm side, but I think that for one, you know, feeding them high omega-3 diet is expensive. So that it's going to be kind of like, they're going to ride that line, right? To get, you know, just enough omega-3s. Um, and then I think it's that lack of free open exercise. 
like we all need. <laughs> right. right. Across all species. Yeah. And I've actually seen eggs at the grocery store where they're marketing the chickens were fed omega threes, but then the research is finding that those eggs are not better for us, but that's a marketing thing. Oh, omega threes on the carton, but that's yeah. going against the natural thing of the chickens, just eating the bugs and whatever they find on the farm. So again, back to nature, what, what we should be doing. <laughs> yeah. That's fortified with as opposed to just getting it in its natural state. Right. Instead of fortifying our eggs with omega-3s, we could eat really delicious wild salmon that tastes good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And taste. I'm so glad you said that about taste because I think most people are probably very picky with how the fish tastes. And I, I didn't realize that, that sometimes if it doesn't taste good, it's maybe the omega-3s. I'm sure it's also just lack of other nutrients, right? Like astaxanthin or B vitamins. I'm sure all of that makes a difference. Vitamin D. vitamin D. Yeah. And to me, the, the, you know, the texture on, on farmed is, uh, it's going to be a little more like, um, less firm. It is almost like a uh, sort of soft. I don't want to say gelatinous cause that's not, <laughs> <laughs> that works out as appetizing. <laughs> yeah. I can, I can see it. You know, when I am looking at pictures or I'm scrolling Instagram, I can, with my eyes, pick out wild versus farmed. I, wow. the color and the, and the texture. Oh, yeah. teach us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I noticed your salmon is just like the most beautiful pink color. It's vibrant. Oh, yeah. And I think that you guys got the copper river sockeye or yes. is that the one? Yeah. I think you got the copper river sockeye and that's one of its claims to fame. I mean, that, that color on the copper river sockeye is something you won't see anywhere else. It is red, red. It's incredible. Especially people that aren't, accustomed to that it's wow it's red <laughs> and it stays red when you cook it it's it's really incredible so awesome so i would love to talk more about the omegas right now so we know like our two big omegas epa dha that's why we eat fish or that's why we take a fish oil can you explain the difference between supplementing and then actually eating it i think you could probably stuff more into a supplement but are we absorbing it and and then also, what's the difference in EPA, DHA in farmed versus wild? I know what you're going to say, but <laughs> let's do it. Um, I would say that, um, you know, just on the terms of, of supplementing or eating it. And I would, I will say, for one thing, this is my kind of anecdote is, is um, in our 20s, my husband had high before he started fishing or just as he was starting to fish because the fishing is on my family side, he was diagnosed with extremely high cholesterol, the bad kind. <laughs> they wanted to put him on statins and the whole thing. And he was just in his upper twenties. And we said, let's, let's hold off. Let's, um, you just got involved in the fishing industry. And I was in grad school at the time studying fish. Let's just eat fish and mm -hmm. see what happens and, and watch on this, you know? And, um, we did that. And within a few years, when he went back and got his results, it, the doctor was amazed. It was amazing. I mean, he truly brought it down and then brought his HDLs up from the, eating the fish. So wow. I think that, you know, to me, it's it's always across the board. You know, if you could eat the whole carrot, it's probably better. If you can eat the fish, that's the way to go. I would say start by eating fish, you know, two servings a week. And then if you're um, you're still looking low in omega-3s, then take a fish oil capsule or something like that on top. But, 
you know, of course, when you're eating it with all the other nutrients and together and the way our bodies are meant to metabolize, I think that you're going to get the best benefit. Yeah. yeah I've heard that you absorb it better in the presence of a high fat meal and in the presence of other oils, even though it is an essential fatty acid, it still needs to be surrounded by, I don't know, similar components where if you take it in a pill, maybe it's not, you're not getting the same benefit. I would, I would a hundred percent agree with that. And, yeah. you know, the absorption with everything else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you can compare that to most foods, right? You could take ascorbic acid in a supplement form, or you could eat, you know, a vegetable that's dense with all the vitamins and minerals and antioxidants. You're definitely going to get more benefit. That makes and I, sense. I think that if you're not getting enough benefit from, you know, eating the high fat or the high fish diet, then maybe take the supplements along with it because then you're getting mm-hmm. kind of you're eating the fish, you're, you're having that in your diet, you know, all the things that go along with it. And then, and then supplementing might be something that you could play with because if, from what I'm seeing, there's so much benefit from the omega threes that yeah. I wouldn't want to not get that. <laughs> yeah. And, and how about with supplementing? I know there's so many fish oil products on the market now, and I imagine most of them are probably rancid can you talk about the quality? Like what should someone look for if they're going to buy a supplement? Oh, that's a huge question. And I, again, it's, some, it's not quite my world because I'm just eating a lot of fish. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say definitely do your research because yeah, rancid oil sets off, you know, issues, um, in your body with the, uh, oxidation. And so I would definitely you know, quality, quality, quality. And you want it, you want something high quality that is truly making the difference that you want. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Cause with the oxidation, then you're just getting inflammation, which then raises your cholesterol and then you need to eat fish. So you might as well just eat fish to begin with. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I've seen a fish oil company. I can't remember the brand, but they only source from Alaska. So that might be something to look into. Yeah, that's really interesting. And, and, um, you know, that's again, where I would say, yeah, that, that probably, you know, you, you start with your high quality product and that would be your Alaskan fish. And, um, that makes sense to me. Go Alaska. <laughs> I, know, I, have to, I feel like I have to say, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not any on an Alaska board. I'm not a spokesperson. <laughs> You could know, but you've seen what it looks like. You see the way it operates and I've, you've painted a beautiful picture. I'm imagining just the stunning copper river and I want to eat all the fish now. I've never been a huge fish eater, but in the last year, especially since I found crowd cow and found Dina seafoods, I'm, I just want more of it, but Renee and I really need some help with cooking our fish. This is not my forte. We have the fish. I don't want to ruin it. Can you give us some advice, please? <laughs> that's the number one thing. You know, we've sold at the farmer's markets for years. And that's the number one thing is how do you cook it? I don't want to ruin it. Especially if I just, you know, really, really put a lot of value and purchase a really amazing piece of wild fish. And now I'm really worried and I don't want to screw it up. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The question I had at the farmer's market was always not just how do you cook fish? How do you cook fish? Me. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Up in this. And so what I would say a really nice piece of fish is a lot like purchasing a really nice Wagyu beef or, you know, a really nice steak or something, because the, the higher, the quality to begin with, the less you need to do with it, the less you need to worry about it, the better it's just going to be. If you do nothing, you know, the worst thing, if, 
you could do is overdo it, over sauce it and overcook it. Less is more. The, the higher the quality, the more you should be not worrying about it because it's going to be good. So with salmon, I would say what I do is we have it frozen in six ounce portions um, in the vacuum seal bay. And we have the little bit of parchment over it, which is kind of our, our signature. Um, so the flesh of the fish is never touching plastic. Um, you pull that off and then I rinse it under cold water, pat it dry. And then I will salt it about 15 minutes before you're going to cook. Oh, and my other tip is I really like to defrost it right before I'm going to cook it. So I pull out, I count how many people we have family of five, pull out the portions, put them in a bowl of cold, cold water and defrost it right as my early prep for that meal that, you know, maybe 45 minutes before. And the reason is I feel like the more time in the fridge, the more time at, at free, even refrigerated temperatures is just degrading. So some people defrost overnight and that's okay if you really love to do that. But I feel like that time in the refrigerator is the quality is kind of ticking down. I definitely wouldn't hold it in the fridge longer than that. Um, it's one reason I love frozen actually is because it really stops the clock and you mm -hmm. keep it. We froze it at the peak of the season when we just caught it and you pull it out right before your dinner, that clock has stopped that whole time. So I like to defrost it. You know, like I said, rinse it, pat it dry, put a little salt on it. And maybe that's 15 minutes before. And then I'll just um, do a little bit of a marinade. I might do um, just some olive oil and garlic, you know, a little bit of flavoring seasoning like that. I'll put it, I'd like to think I do olive oil, garlic. That's, that's just, you know, I don't cook anything without those ingredients and some salt and then something green. So if I have cilantro in the fridge, I'll chop that up. If I have green onion, you know, something little, little herb, little green, whisk that up and put a little splash of either lemon or um, vinegar. Um, vinegar. Yeah. A white, I have a white vinegar or a balsamic, you know, mm -hmm. a little acid in there just for a little pop with that up. And then I just, if I, I just drizzle that on, that's it. So that's just the little, just a little pop of flavor. And then really you want to taste the fish. So then I would, um, if I'm in my kitchen, you know, baking it, I would just put it on a foil sheet, put the portions down, drizzle that on top, bake it at 350 for 15 minutes tops. <laughs> Don't mm. go over. <laughs> uh, yeah. If it's just... You know, what you, if you look at flake one portion open, it, it's a lot like cooking beef where you're looking at that kind of red in the center. You want just a hint of that, but not too much. And you're looking for just a hint of translucent in the center, but not too much. Once it's kind of all the way opaque, stop, pull it out. <laughs> you just don't want yeah. to. That's the main thing. On fish, right. it's all about trying to keep it moist, trying to retain the moistness. So the more fat in the fish, the more moist you start, your starting point is. So if you have a high fat fish, Copper River Sakai, Copper River King, you're starting with a lot of really great moist um, texture. You're just trying not to lose it <laughs> by overcooking it. So I hope that yeah. sounds, I went into a lot of detail, but I hope it sounds simple because really just try it and do it. And you will find that it is actually a very simple thing to cook. I call it fast food at our house because <laughs> put it out of the freezer yeah. and I'm yeah. cooking it. It's 15 minutes. You know, it's really actually pretty easy and fast. Yeah. I can yeah. handle 15 minutes. That's good. <laughs> I actually like the idea of pulling it out frozen because I think 
one of the struggles I have with fish is if it is frozen, Oh, I have to think a day in advance and remember to pull it out the night before, or, Oh gosh, now it's been in the fridge three days. It's probably not good anymore. <laughs> so you've just yeah. solved all of my problems. I do. Oh, yeah. That's me. I mean, it's like, it shouldn't be hard. We fish a lot. I can't manage to pull it out the day before that would be way too forward thinking. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I've been, I've been kind of traumatized a few times from buying fish at Whole Foods fresh, not frozen. Mm-hmm. And it's been bad a couple times. I swear it up. I'm not going to buy fresh anymore. I am all in for the frozen. Oh yeah. And that's a whole another topic, the fresh frozen and it, you know, um, frozen has this kind of like, Oh, I, I buy my fish fresh. Well, you know, when we first started seeing a sea and we were, you know, we're really looking into, okay, our goal is to provide the highest quality of what we're accustomed to as a fishing family, our standards to, you know, the whole nation. How are we going to do that? And we really thought through uh, the fresh versus frozen. And, you know, what do fishermen eat in the winter? Frozen, very high quality frozen fish, because that's how you maintain that freshness. And, you know, if you happen to live on the docks or in a fishing town, then fresh fish is going to be awesome choice. Super great because you just got it off the boat. But if you are in middle America or you're not near, then you have to understand that there's the clock is ticking when that fish comes out of the water. And if you're at the grocery store, it could, it's very easily five days old and it's really towards the end of its freshness. And that's mm-hmm. just at best case at them doing their very, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And now you freeze it the second it gets onto the boat. Yeah. So actually up in Alaska, we, um, we catch the fish and then we bring it to the docks and we, we bought a small processing facility in Cordova. So it's, it's, uh, you know, probably too long of a story for the time we have, but we are so dedicated to quality <laughs> and with our backgrounds and the handling and everything that we bought the small processing facility and we, we do it ourselves. So we, we cut, we vacuum seal, we, you know, we seal, we do the parchment and then we flash freeze, blast freeze up in Alaska. So we're freezing in, in fact, um, to the standards of eating it raw. So that would be uh, sometimes called sashimi quality. If you go and eat sushi and you eat it raw, it has to be frozen to certain standards of time and temperature days and, and degrees frozen. So we do it to all of our fish. And what that does is basically on all fish from the time it's caught, there's a, it's a, it's a clock that's ticking and it's time and temperature, the quicker you cool it, the better. So we have really nice cooling systems where we're actually using refrigerated seawater to cool that fish very quickly. So that's adding time, you know, taking as little time as possible off the clock is keeping that fish really cool and then cutting and freezing it as fast as you can in terms of number of hours or days. And then we keep it frozen and that's really stopping the clock. As soon as you defrost it, you're starting that clock again. And, um, it's, it's really important, you know, all the way to the handling on the boat, uh, fishing is small independent fishermen and the way that they personally choose to handle that fish on the boat. It makes a quality difference to the quality all the way down the line. So awesome. I really appreciate that as a consumer. I can't wait to eat more fish. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm making the salmon tonight. I'm really excited. Yeah. I'm going to cook it perfectly. So obviously we don't want to overcook it because then it doesn't taste good. But with this high quality, is there a concern with if you do undercook it accidentally? 
Well, that is the really nice thing to know. Like I said, uh, we're freezing to sashimi quality. So you can pull it out of the package and eat it raw and be safe, safe from pathogens. Wow. Very cool. So when you're cooking it, it does give you that extra, you know, kind of assurance. People want that fish straight off the dock, right? Just caught. Well, you can't eat that as sushi quality and you better thoroughly cook that fish. But our fish, because it's been frozen, gives you the assurance that you can actually undercook the center a little bit and it's fine. That solves all of my problems because I've always cooked fish the way I cook chicken. I'm like, cook it to death in case, (laughs) just in case. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I feel so much better about this. So (laughs) Dina C, can you explain you do sort of a membership subscription? How can people get your fish? Oh yeah. So first off, I would love people go to our website, um, www.cnac.com. S-E-N-A-S-E-A.com. And we have um, an email sign up and we have a free cookbook. And that cookbook is our personal fishing recipes. Like I said, that's the number one question we get is how do you cook your fish? So we just wrote up our own at-home go-to recipes. So definitely get on, get that cookbook. And then you also get notifications like when Copper River King comes in, which is available for only a couple of weeks out of the year, that kind of stuff. You're the first to know. Um, so you can buy off our website. I know that you also mentioned crowd cow. Uh, we work with crowd cow. We actually met them at farmer's market, the own, one of the owners, and we were the first seafood that they ever took a chance on. And really because our model lined up so well with their model of going to the farmer, going to the rancher, knowing who, you know, I want to say caught it, but who (laughs) raised it for us, uh, we fit that profile. And so we were the first seafood that they had ever had and um, people loved it. It was a huge success. Um, A lot of learning on their end because it's wild and you can't count them before you get them. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so, and then they have now a lot of other seafood, but um, those are the uh, two places to find us. So cool. Thank Great. you. And we'll link to that in the show notes too, for people make it super easy to find. <laughs> yeah. Great. Hey, biohackers, it's time for another giveaway winner announcement. So thank you to everyone that wrote in on Apple podcasts. The great reviews really support us and help us run the show. So thank you. Thank you. So our winner this week is Jennifer Newman, also known as well-fed Jen on Instagram. Yay, Jen. Congratulations. Yeah. So I wanted to read her review since it was so sweet of her to leave it for us. So she said, biohacker babes, love the pod. The breadth and depth of the topics you cover makes me never want to miss an episode. Since tuning in, I've really paid more attention to my sleep, my physical and mental mindset, and have made more efforts to optimize my health. Thanks to you too, I've purchased legit blue light blocking glasses, have explored essential oils and plan on grabbing a CGM. Thank you for inspiring me to be my best self every day. This is so, so awesome. We're so happy for you, Jen. Thank you for supporting us. Yes. Thank you, Jen. So Jen, um, you win an option of either a bag of Kian coffee, which is our favorite clean brand of organic mold-free coffee that, or we can send you a gift card to four Sigmatic, which has all the mushroom goodies and adaptogens that we love. So just shoot us an email, biohackerbabes at gmail.com. Send us your email. I'm sorry. Send us your mailing address and what prize you would like, and we will get it right over to you. Perfection. Thanks, Jen.
So I think just to kind of wrap up the nutrition piece of fish. So I know you talked about all the amazing nutrients we're going to get from this wild caught fish. And I think you mentioned twice a week. That's a good goal for most people to eat. Yeah. Twice a week is kind of the, the, the big recommendation is to eat seafood twice a week um, okay. to, to get the real benefits. And then if you're looking for the omega-3 benefits, you want to choose a high fat fish. So um, salmon is high on the list. And then any salmon from the Copper River is higher on the list. So the Copper River makes it higher in omega-3. So you want to look for those high omega-3s. We also have, we didn't talk about it at all today, but we have um, black cod or sable fish on our website. I know you guys got some, I think, and that is a really I cooked high that yesterday. Oh my God. It's, it's delicious. It's so good. Really good. The texture just stays silky no matter how much you try to overcook it. <laughs> You could burn it and inside is still going to be soft and silky and really delicious. So I would just say definitely make a goal to eat wild fish twice a week and then look for those high in omega-3s. I love the goal. It's past New Year's now, but when people are making Mm. healthy eating or kind of resolutions, I love the goal of, of eating fish twice a week because you don't hit it one week, go for it the next week. Just keep trying every week and looking for that. And I guess we also, I guess I should mention that we have this subscription and it's really about, you know, I want from the beginning, I want people to have the benefits that we do. We have amazing wild fish in our freezer because of every day, because of that, we eat more of it because it's available. It's what's easy for us to cook. So I want people to, uh, we have a subscription program. It's really flexible for the amount of size of fish. So how many portions you want, you want it one month, every two months, every three months, depending on the size of your freezer. I just want you to have it available so that you can eat it easily. Once it's in your freezer, you will. So, so that's an option too. And like I said, it's really flexible. I work with customers, get it, get it signed up. And then you go, Oh, that's a little bit too much. Or that wasn't quite enough. We'll just dial it in on the right amount for you. Awesome. I love the subscription model. It just takes the the extra guesswork out, just shows up at your door. And I also have to say your packaging was really amazing as far as sustainability. It wasn't like all these ice packs and cardboard and stuff. I, I really appreciate what you all do there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we really feel it's really important for us to follow that sustainability all the way through our chain. So sustainable fish and sustainable packaging. We have a sustainable foam. That foam is not styrofoam. You could actually eat it. I don't recommend it. I've tried it, but it's not very tasty. But, <laughs> <laughs> but if you really want to, you're really hungry. It's there. Okay. It dissolves in water. And so we really do, you know, we have the, our sustainable and then we also want it to arrive just perfectly frozen premium and feel like a real special gift for you. So we're, we're really trying to bring that premium quality. Like I've said that we're kind of spoiled with (laughs) to everybody. Yeah. I love it. I'm just curious. So the whole family eats it. uh, Obviously the kids like it too, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, of course. And I always got a kick out of it because I, I grew up eating fish and that's delicious and it's dinner. You know, uh, I was, a, I was, um, in my twenties when somebody first mentioned fishy fish and I was like, I don't even know what that term meant. Fishy. Is it fishy? I'm like, it's fish. I don't oh my know God, yeah. <laughs> what you mean by that. And then later I, um, did eat some fishy fish. <laughs> it happened to be like, a, a corporate event. It was farmed. And I was like, Oh, 
is this what you mean by fishy fish? It, it tastes the farm's fish. Interesting. <laughs> so <laughs> it's funny, but our kids uh, eat, have eaten fish growing up and it's just like vegetables. Um, this is the same concept if they're involved in it. If they have it on their plate every day, we've never made a big deal about like, you have to eat your fish. It's just like, well, you have to I always tell them, find something you like on your plate and eat that. And I've already chosen what's on their plate. I know it's all going to be good. So find something, eat it. And, um, you know, we don't make a big deal, but when they've eaten it their whole lives, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's no big deal for them. They, they yeah. love it. They yeah. love our, um, we have, um, smoked salmon and some locks, which is the, um, smoked, really silky and then we do some um, different smoked salmon and cream cheese so those yeah. products they my youngest I, I open locks she it's got that raw fish texture oh she just eats the whole thing she's just so they yeah, love that, that, the, good. that <laughs> and the, the smoked salmon and smoked halibut and cream cheese spread is pretty um pretty amazing and if I pull that out, they just think that's lunch and it's gone in about two seconds. So, <laughs> oh, so cool. <laughs> I love some smoked salmon. That sounds amazing. I'll have to get mm -hmm. that in my next box. Um, so I have to ask you one final question. I feel like I, we can't talk about seafood without at least asking about mercury. I, it seems like it's really more an issue with the larger fish, like the tuna shark. I don't know too many people that are eating that. Is this a concern at all with the salmon and the cod? I agree. Thanks for, uh, you have to ask. And, um, that when you're, when you're concerned about mercury, the things to look at is you're looking for a higher fat fish. So the fat content in the fish is conversely correlated with mercury. So, um, when you're looking on these lists, it's always high fat fish that are um, on the top of the list of what to eat when concerned about mercury. And so that's, again, it, it's, falls really well in line with what we're talking about, where you want the omega-3s anyways. Um, and then you want actually a shorter lifespan. So that's like, like you touched on the bigger fish. It's just the shorter lifespan, it, the mercury just builds in their body. So they're, if they're eating, if they're high on the food chain and they're eating a lot and they're living a long time, the mercury could, could build up. So, um, okay. if, for mercury concerns, I would, um, say go for the high high fat salmon you know the copper river the um the black cod sable fish those those high fat white fish also okay great good to great. know I, I can't tell you how excited i am to eat all of my fish i just I, uh, my stomach is growling right now so <laughs> yeah so before we wrap up today we always like to ask our guests for one piece of advice if you give our audience just one thing they could start working on today that would optimize their health wellness mindset, anything that comes to mind, it could be about fish or it could be something totally different. Okay. Well, I guess I just have to pick the easy one. I really would like people to just focus on trying to eat two servings of fish a week. And, uh, it's a real simple goal. And it's that real easy marker of, you know, Oh, I have, I gotten my second portion, you know, my second, um, serving this week and to just kind of focus on that until it's, it's such a habit that you don't have to think about it. That's great. Great. Good homework. I'm going to start doing that today. Yeah. Oh, I think your husband wants to chime in. Sure. Introduce yourself. Just say hi. Okay. My, uh, my name is Rich Wheeler. Seen his husband. Uh, and uh, with this mercury thing, this is where we're uh, really um, trying to educate people with Alaska. As you see, if you figure that the Pacific Ocean, uh, less industrialization, more industrialization as we get down into, you know, the Pacific coast, uh, Washington, Oregon, California. So 
we have way less industrialization up in Alaska and, you know, less mining run out and everything else. And then as you trickle down, you're going to start seeing more and more of it. So it's, you know, these, you guys were talking about, you know, uh, all these fish that migrate around the world, um, you're going to see a higher mercury content. So it goes back to that hmm. Alaska, like we kind of touched on where the Alaskan fish are, it's just a more um, pure, less polluted environment. And so there's going to be less mercury to start with. So hmm. that's when, you know, you have the lists and you have what to look for. And then, and then it's the region. So um, it, it's, it's all points back to getting your fish in these really cold and really unpolluted and um, having uh, unpoculated areas. Yeah. yeah. Less industrialization. Right. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for popping in, Rich. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah, it was thank uh, interesting. Awesome. Dina, thank you so much. We both learned a lot, and hopefully our audience did as well. We will link to all of your resources, dinac.com. I know you guys have an Instagram page. Are you on Facebook as well? We're on Facebook. I really um, would say get on Instagram. That's kind of where we're most present, and I like to see people and respond, and um, we're active there. Awesome. Great. We really, really appreciate your time and I'm going to go eat some fish. <laughs> hey, and, oh, and I have some great reels on those recipes I just talked about. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, Check good. out the reels on Instagram. I'm going to do that immediately. <laughs> Wonderful. Great. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks everyone for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking.